If you want to live a bankless life, you need to get a hardware wallet. There is no alternative for storing your crypto in a self-sovereign fashion. That's why I have four ledgers that I use to manage my different crypto assets using the Ledger Live account as well. Ledger Live is like your home base for managing your Ethereum, DeFi, and crypto accounts. It does a really good job of aggregating all of your different Ethereum wallets if you are the type of person that uses more than one. But you can also add other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Cosmos or whatever your preferred blockchain is. And then it will display an aggregate portfolio of all your accounts at the main page. One thing that Ledger is doing a really good job of is enabling all of the money verbs that me and Ryan talk about with the Bankless Skill Cube enabled in the Ledger Live app. So right now in the Ledger Live app, you can buy, sell, and stake your crypto app which is doing a really good job of fulfilling all of the money verbs in the Bankless Skill Cube. Something that's new to Ledger Live is Ledger Swap, where you can swap assets one for another directly inside the Ledger Live application, ensuring trustlessness in your financial activity on Ethereum and on Bitcoin. There's a link in the show notes that will take you to the Ledger Shop where you can get your preferred Ledger hardware wallets. I personally like the Ledger Nano X, but I also have both. They're both great options. When you own a ledger, you own your own assets in the way that they have been designed to be held by the user and the user alone. So go get your ledger today to make sure that you are as self-sovereign as possible. Bankless is brought to you by Wiren. Wiren is DeFi's first self-building community-run project, which I just get really, really excited about. Wiren is a system that seeks out yield in DeFi, and it does that in a number of different ways. Well, a very aggressive way is with the vaults, where you can deposit your preferred asset of choice, and different DeFi experts will come in and generate a strategy for what to do with your deposited token, right? And so it'll go find ways to get yield in that deposited token in DeFi. For those who want to just earn yield on their stablecoins, the earn system is for you, where you can deposit your preferred stablecoin and Wiren will go and figure out which money market on DeFi and DeFi is producing the best interest rate, whether it's DYTX, it's Compound or Aave. It, it looks around DeFi to see where the yield is coming from and it directs stablecoins automatically so you don't have to. Check them out at yearn.finance to get started and also check out the stats page to see what other people are doing. Hello, Bankless Nation. Welcome to the first week of November. This is your weekly roll-up, a show where David and I go through all the essential things you need to know about that happened in the past week in crypto. We released this as always on Friday morning so you can enjoy it with breakfast, enjoy it with your morning cup of coffee and get caught up on all the news. As always, we try to do this in 25 minutes. So five minutes per section, we're gonna cover market, releases, news, hot takes, and finally end with what we are excited about. This comes out on YouTube, also comes out on the podcast, so you can catch it both ways. David, how are you doing today, man? Absolutely fantastic. There's just so much energy in the crypto industry right now, and we are trying to get some of that energy and why we are so energetic injected straight into your brain in a roll-up fashion. So if you don't have the time or energy to pay attention to everything that goes on in this super fast-paced world, then this is we are going to bundle that information up and inject it right into your brain. All right, David, you ready? Shall we roll them up? Rolling them up. All right, let's roll them up. up. Rolling them up. All right, we're starting with market. David, what is the market saying? You want to start with Bitcoin here? And I'm going to show something on my screen. Show some Bitcoin price action while we are talking about it. 
Yeah, Bitcoin is just marching up and to the right. Uh, maybe it had to do with the election. Maybe it was going to do this anyways. Uh, but it is really you know, pushing up against its all-time high, at least with regards to how long it has spent above the $15,000 mark. So it is currently, at the time of speaking, $15,000 and 20, uh, $15,000 and $15,200, which is, which is, as far as Bitcoin goes, that's basically its all-time high in terms of time. It has spent very little time above this number. Very few sellers is the theory above, above 15,000. What, what is this? Election, so we've got probably a Republican uh, Senate, probably, mm -hmm. and we probably have uh, Biden as president. I don't know. It's looking that way. That's what the prediction markets are telling us. Yep. Uh, is that part of the reason, you think? I think so. A Republican-controlled Senate means that we are definitely not, we are probably not rolling back Biden's tax cuts, tax plans, right, which is bullish for asset prices. And a Biden-led presidency means we are definitely adding more stimulus into the economy, which like both of those things are bullish for assets and Bitcoin specifically. All right, quick, quick take. Do you think Bitcoin's going to hit all-time high in 2020 or no? Oh God, I wouldn't 20K. be surprised if it did. I couldn't say, because like uh, the thing is like, it's marching, it's going so fast and it's really accelerating. I think it's, I think it's in the cards. It's going to start hitting headlines soon and then it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, let's mm -hmm. talk about the next thing. Bitcoin on Ethereum, what's happening there? Uh, the number's higher. It's always higher. <laughs> it's oh, a higher number okay. than it was last week. <laughs> it's uh, gone up. All right. It's gone up. Last week is 149,000 and this week it's 153,000. All right, from 2 billion to 2.3 billion, it's going up. All right, next, you wanna talk a little bit about Bitcoin futures volumes, cause that's mm -hmm. been crazy as well. Um, this is CME future volumes, which is CFTC regulated. That's hitting some all time highs too, right? Crazy. Yeah, it's just all time highs left and right. And that's one of the reasons why there's so much energy and excitement in this space. Uh, we are just getting more and more external validation that people are interested in Bitcoin. All right, let's get to ETH price. ETH, how are we doing, uh, little guy? So ETH is uh, 413 as of right now. It hit a bit of a bump, not quite as large as Bitcoin. What's going on with ETH price? Yeah, well, naturally, the ETH price hit a bump, uh, hit a little pump when the uh, deposit contract got announced, but it looks like it struggled to really follow through on that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but uh, all of crypto seems to be moving up and to the right, and ETH is no exception. Yeah, it might be uh, sort of um, uh, just just waiting for the realization of staking to to come out there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that right now. But so far, the pump has been a bit underwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk a little bit about total value locked in DeFi? What's what's that hanging at right now? We've got eleven point seven billion. That's about flat, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty flat on the higher side of flat, I would say. Uh, you know, but like we like we've known, DeFi is still doing its retracement. Some people have called the bottom on DeFi uh, yet to be seen. I'm I'm in that camp that the bottom on DeFi is down, but that means that uh, the fact that uh, total locks in DeFi, the fact that that's flat, is actually kind of bullish. While DeFi retracts, total locked in DeFi is flat. I guess going back to ETH, I know one thing we wanted to, to mention is uh, this, this tweet of yours. We're, we, we constantly talk about the three value accrual mechanisms of Ether. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got one, which is store value in DeFi that we just talked mm -hmm. about value locked in DeFi. But there's two more that are kicking in here. And you, you tweeted this out here about ETH's three pillars of value accrual. What are the two others, David? And when are they coming? 
Yeah, so we got we got the green check mark next to a store of value in DeFi. We have the uh, capital asset and proof of stake on the horizon. That's happening on December 1st. We have an actual date for that, assuming enough Ether gets deposited into the deposit contract. Uh, both Ryan and I on our Alpha Leak episode indicated our bullishness that that's going to be met by December 1st. And then on the horizon after that is consumable asset in EIP 1559, which Tim Baco, the most, most informed individual on this matter predicts a nine month uh, time horizon for that. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, the three pillars, and it might be the case that we've often said uh, 2020 is 2016. And then, you know, next year is 2017, where everything yeah. kind of explodes. It looks like the plan is coming together on Ether value accrual. Hey, we don't have much time to talk about this, but you want to talk about other markets, which is prediction markets for the presidential election. That's been crazy in, mm -hmm. uh, in crypto. There's some markets where you can actually bet on Biden versus Trump. And we've seen some pretty heavy volume. Here's one on FTX. What's your take? Yeah, I think prediction markets were the unsung hero of the crypto world during the election. They did their jobs, right? They had high volume, high high liquidity, and they really allowed people to express their version of the future and make a trade against that. Um, and one thing I think was really cool was this catnip project, which uh, was a, a combination of money Legos between Balancer and Augur that allowed you to buy no Donald Trump tokens or yes Donald Trump tokens right through the balance. <laughs> Or interface, you know, like KYC free, uh, using yep. them that everyone knows and loves, uh, using the money Legos that people know how to use. Yeah, and I understand you you uh, put a bet on the the DeFi um, mm -hmm. prediction market, Poly market, and yep. tried that out. And it's cool that all of these markets are changing in real time. So at one point, when it looked mm -hmm. like Trump could win this, uh, they were trading Trump uh, high, yep. but mm -hmm. likelihood very high. And when things have switched around, now they're trading pretty low. So yeah. they're saying that the odds of Trump winning are about 10% or so, 10 to 15% at this point in time, which uh, feels about right. Very cool yeah. to see them respond this way. All right, David, that's markets. Let's talk about the next thing. What's what's going on with releases? <laughs> Let's talk about the big release first, shall what, we? What, the, what is the most obvious release other than the release <laughs> of the deposit contract for Ethereum 2.0? If you've been yep. following the bankless media if, or other Ethereum people in this space, you should have been seeing this coming from a long way off. Uh, but if you're perhaps new to the space or you're, you're coming from people that don't really speak about Ethereum, maybe this is a surprise to you. Either way, this really locks in how the fact that Ethereum 2.0 is so close and we're starting with phase zero and, and we actually have a date for phase zero. Phase zero, December 1st. And David, we are just pumping out content on staking uh, in particular in ETH2 at Bankless. So we've got our Alpha League videos, of course. We've got the staking, how to become a validator and stake your ETH that we just published on Bankless uh, as well. And just today, we released a whole economics article on ETH2.0 staking, comparing it to a bond, which we can talk about later. Man, that's such a huge release. This has it been really like five mm -hmm. years, yeah, five years since, coming. Since the genesis, since genesis of Ethereum, yeah. We've, we've said this before. This is absolutely huge news. I think the biggest news, uh, at least of this year, it if is. not of the past it several is. years. All right. Um, we've talked about that enough in other places, but maybe let's link in the FTX news. So saw this on Coindesk, David. FTX, which is an, a, a, an exchange, we call them crypto banks, is mm -hmm. going to list Beacon Chain Ether. So that means that uh, they're going to list and start trading, not Ether in ETH1, but this actual derivative mm -hmm. Ether in ETH2, 
as a product and they're going to somehow trade it. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, so some people said that something like this was inevitable. The point about the deposit contract is when you put your Ether from the ETH1 chain into it, it's a one-way bridge, right? And so yeah. when then you have your Ether on the ETH2 chain, uh, and you can only have it on the ETH2 chain. Uh, and you, know, you can't go backwards. But some people might want liquidity between ETH1 and ETH2. Uh, and the only way to do that is through a centralized operator, right? And so FTX is going to en enable you to stake your Ether, put, put your Ether from ETH1 into ETH2 through their centralized system, and then allow you to trade what is essentially a derivative of Ether on their centralized exchange. Uh, I really just don't think this is a big deal. The people that are going to be like putting their Ether from ETH1 to ETH2 are the stakeholders of Ethereum who really want, uh, who are just in it for the long haul by definition. I don't really see it. who's going to be speculating on, on this. I don't really see what this is for. Yeah, I agree. And I think the launch of ETH2 is really geared towards uh, hardware-centric like mm -hmm. uh, folks that are just running their own. So there will be these, these crypto exchanges that, that do it too, which is, which is good. I mean, the more stakers, uh, the better. And you know, the, the more we have, the better. I, I kind of agree. We'll have to see how it plans out, but I don't think there's uh, any fear, uncertainty, and doubt associated with that. Um, speaking of ETH2, this, you know, Trent put together this fantastic mm -hmm. graphic of how all of the phases relate. We, we, we're showing the graphic on YouTube, but for folks that are listening on audio, uh, David, could you just get, give a quick like, what's gonna happen in phase one, oh, phase zero, phase one, phase 1.5 at least? How is it gonna blend together? Yeah, Trent, Trent did a good job of kind of bundling everything up because in addition to going from phase zero to one to 1.5 to two, there's also the parallel roadmap of roll-ups, which kind of have their own, um, own place in the roadmap. Right now, we are at phase one. We are at the point where people are putting money into the deposit contract. Phase zero, right? Excuse me, phase zero. Phase yes. zero, yes. People are putting Ether into the deposit contract. Uh, and then that uh, heartbeat of Ethereum, which is phase zero, gets up and running. And then uh, the, the prediction, therefore, after that is phase one will come in nine months to a year after that. Uh, that's what Preston Van Loon said on our previous video. So check that out. Uh, and then we get into phase 1.5. And the way, what, the reason why phase 1.5 is so important is think of Ethereum 2.0 as a rocket ship with 63 rockets on it, right? And then this 64th rocket, which is Ethereum 1, comes in docks and it loads into the rest of the, the bigger <laughs> rocket ship. And then all of a sudden there's 64 <laughs> rocket ships. And then once it's in there, once, once uh, the Ethereum 1.0 gets loaded into the Ethereum 2.0 ship, then it's all one entire thing. And we have uh, Ethereum 1 rolled into Ethereum 2. And that's how we do the seamless transition. That's the roadmap ahead of us. Trent did a really good job illustrating that in this graphic. Dude, nice analogy. And the reality is we could have phase 1.5 done sometime in maybe 2022. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to be fantastic. And that's when the old proof of work dies and yep. ETH issuance drops to below 1%. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. All right, um, David, we don't have time but um, to talk about all of these things, but uh, Loopring just put out some cool stuff. We'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, and Verizon's doing more with the blockchain. I guess that bleeds into the news. Let's talk about what's going on in the news. Australia, joining the club. They're running a central bank digital currency pilot right now with mm -hmm. consensus. So that would be on a private version of Ethereum. But we're seeing all the central banks do something in this space. And it feels like they're all crowding into it in the last six months. I think that's only going to accelerate. 
Yep. Central bank digital currencies are hot. Like there's been at least two central banks doing a central bank digital currency in the last two roll-ups, right? So this is like our sixth or seventh or eighth, like central bank digital currency, right? And also tip of the hat to consensus is always there behind the scenes, helping people, helping these banks uh, do their thing. Um, We got into an argument, uh, Ryan, in the the Bankless Discord about are these central bank digital currencies going to be based on Ether on on Ethereum or are they going to be their own uh, totally centralized ledger? Uh, That's going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah, totally. And it might be a little a blend of both where they use their own totally centralized ledger and then settle on Ethereum for some things. But let's talk about the other signals that are going on. This is a massive one, dude. This is uh, PayPal right? Uh, in their Q3 earnings report. This is their earnings call that they have with investors. If you read this snippet of the, trans- of the transcript, I want to talk about this might be their CEO talking. It's one of their executives. Anyway, he says this. Finally, I'd like to discuss our recent announcement to increase the utility of cryptocurrencies, as well as embrace new forms of central bank digital currencies. Again, mm-hmm. PayPal is adding the ability to purchase crypto in PayPal. And then in 2021, they're adding it to Venmo. And he says this, we are entering a new era of financial services where our wallets and all the services around them are moving from physical to digital. Sounds like he's listening to Bankless, David. What do you think, man? That's (laughs) pretty bullish. Largest corporations, largest payment Mm -hmm. processors, they're coming to crypto. Same time, central bank digital currencies are, 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 uh, central banks are signaling this way. Everybody is coming to crypto. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just a massive convergence upon this new realm of money, right? This new way to host and have money. So not only is the central bank digital currency room crowded, the companies uh, uh, jostling to serve central bank digital currencies are also playing that same game. There's a lot of competition uh, for companies who want to serve these central banks. Yeah, MasterCard joining the fray. Their president this week says their crypto patents will pay off mm-hmm. when the central bank digital currencies arrive. Everyone thinks central bank digital currencies are, com- are coming, even the biggest banking uh, processors, payment processors in the world right now. Fidelity also is doubling down. They're hiring 20 crypto engineers to work on their blockchain plus. side of things. 20 plus. Yeah. That's a, a very large amount. All crypto, That's a large all blockchain. Amount. That's a large amount. Yeah, dude. Look, there's not that many. Coming, there's not that many uh, blockchain cryptocurrency developers out there. Yeah, where are they going to find them? Find them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, this is this is a trend that's happening. I expect mm-hmm. we'll update more on this in the in the rollups to come. Uh, real quick, David, we should talk about this story too. Um, U.S. officials just seized more than one billion dollars. It was funny on Tuesday. Everyone, uh, you know, like, kind of woke up to the fact that some money was getting transferred. Old a money, billion Old dollars coins. worth of old Bitcoin that hadn't moved since like 2012 or something Mm -hmm. was being moved. And it was one of the largest uh, holding addresses in all of all of Bitcoin. We just found out what that was. Right. What was it, David? Yeah, so it was an outgrowth of Silk Road Bitcoins. Apparently, uh, whoever uh, controlled the private keys for these Bitcoins stole them from the Silk Road, stole them from Ross Ulbricht himself. And because yeah. of that, the US government was like, this is ours, thank you. Uh, the unknown about this story is how this government identified this, how the US government identified this individual and then got him to willingly forfeit the funds to him, probably with threats of jail time for life or something like that, because that's what yep. you know, can do. <laughs> Uh, and so now and that's the, where Ross is, that's right? Where Ross I mean, is living right? example. Yep. Uh huh. And so now, now, now the big takeaway that for the of the story is that the U.S. government has a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. They're probably going to have to auction it off, uh, and that's going to be an interesting development. 
That's what they did with their last stash. I wonder how long it takes them. I'm sure they'll find lots of institutional buyers this yep. time. Even last time they did this in 2013, mm-hmm. folks from like the venture capital world, like uh, Tim Draper, mm-hmm. um, stood up and bought some, and that turned yep. into a very brilliant investment for him. Yep. Um, David, it's kind of the same story, right? Nation State is is uh, it, raising its head and taking mm-hmm. some action in crypto yep. along with embracing all of these technologies at the same time. So it's an interesting, like, <laughs> it's an interesting, um, I guess, I mechanism to, to sort of watch. Yes, interesting juxtaposition. You found yeah. the word for me. All right. If you are looking for a mobile wallet to hold and access your crypto, you need to go to Argent.xyz and download their smart contract wallet app right onto your Android or iOS device. Argent is the most secure way to hold money on your device while still being able to access DeFi services that we all know and love on Ethereum. Through Argent, you have one tap access to the beloved DeFi apps like Compound, Uniswap, Aave, and you can even invest directly into some yield generating assets right from your Argent wallet. Crucial to maintaining security over your assets is Argent's Guardian service, which which allows you to use a friend to make sure that you can always restore access to your funds in case you were to ever lose your phone or for your device to break. You can also use a local hardware wallet to ensure that you can always restore access to your funds yourself. One of Argent's newest features is their ability to route trades through 10 decentralized exchanges, including Uniswap and Kyber, to make sure that you are always getting the best trade on your assets. Similarly, pushing the fold on what we can do in Ethereum and DeFi, Argent has replicated some of the legacy financial services that you would expect from your bank, but put it directly into the hands of the user, such as send limits and whitelisted accounts, ensuring that if anyone were to be able to access your funds in your Argent wallet, they could only send up to a certain amount and only be able to send them to approved addresses, which is creating one of the most safe environments to hold your assets in, which is why people have put millions and millions of dollars in into the Argent wallet that they use on their device. In order to see the Argent wallet in action, go to argent.link slash bankless and download the Argent wallet on iOS or Android today. We're also brought to you by Monolith. Monolith is your cool new DeFi account, your DeFi savings account, your DeFi checking account. Except the cool thing about the Monolith DeFi account is that it gets software updates, right? You actually get to increase the usefulness of this over time. So here are some of the features. Monolith is a smart contract wallet with a lot of the features that you would expect if you've come to know DeFi and what it is, you can you can add money to it. You can put that money to work uh, in Compound and, and accessing yield. Uh, but you can and you can also swap through Uniswap. What was cool with Monolith is that they will send you a very sexy Monolith Visa card that connects to your smart Monolith smart contract wallet on Ethereum. So it's a really awesome tool to live a bankless life with a a, a savings account that gets software updates. So this is, this is something that you're never going to find out in the real world, but you can still do real world things with you know real money in, like buy your groceries. So that's just fantastic. Coming soon to Monolith, actually already here to Monolith, is now you can buy DAI and get it sent to your wallet directly, right? So it's also being an on-ramp. So you don't have to go through your centralized exchange like Coinbase or Gemini or wherever. You can just go straight from your bank account right into your Monolith checking account smart contract wallet. So check them out at monolith.xyz. Let's go to Tate. Speaking of what's happening, what's what's on your mind right now, David? What, what are some of your hot takes for the week? 
Yeah, my hot take for the week is that we constantly hear about how there's just this lack of trust in institutions, right? Like, no one knows who to trust anymore. Like, the, the central government isn't really doing the job that we want it to. Our, the companies, Facebook, Silicon Valley, we don't trust them either. Uh, and as we all know, 2020 has been just a, a year of just reorganizing your brain to a new reality, right? People yeah. are just... Things are different now for many, many different reasons. And one thing, uh, and, the, and the underlying theme is a lack of trust, right? A lack of trust in institutions. And so I want to pose to the listeners, what's more likely to uh, re- return, get new trust back? Is it going to be that we are going to improve our old institutions or that we adopt new institutions? And what are new institutions other than Bitcoin, Ethereum, and DeFi applications? Specifically institutions that are trustless that you can trust by default. And I- You know what? I, I don't know of any other, like you asked that question, what are the new institutions? It's either right. the old governments that we have to change from the inside or it's honestly, it's these digital like corporate overlord nations, like the, yep. the nation of Facebook, the nation of Mark Zuckerberg, the nation of Twitter, right? Bezos. I don't trust them. Right. Bezos. I, do you trust mm-hmm. them? No, like, not at all. They could be worse. <laughs> they're, they're part of the problem, right? And so where yeah. are we going to get new trust? Well, what about trustless systems? Like that's the whole point of this revolution. <laughs> and this world, has, the 2020 world has been so crazy. I don't think it's that far-fetched anymore to ask people to like learn about Bitcoin, to learn about Ethereum, to offer them a new platform because their world's already been turned upside down in 2020. Like that's not that much of an ask anymore. No, this feels very much like a new puzzle piece uh, fitting into the whole list of, of things we, we trust. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, nice insight, dude. Fascinating. Thank you. Ryan, what about you? All right. So one thing, I've got three, all right, but, but I'll make oh them quick, right? So <laughs> the, 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 first, the first is this, David. So I feel like for a long time, um, people have been talking about like Ethereum will never work. Smart contracts will never work. DeFi mm-hmm. is just a toy. It will never work. Well, guess what? Uniswap is now doing $4 billion in volume, in trading volume on a weekly basis. Which is more than Coinbase, trust, by the way. Right. We can verify that on Ethereum. And like, it's no longer an option for you mm-hmm. to say Ethereum is pointless and DeFi right. won't mm-hmm. work. Right? It's mm-hmm. no longer an option. Uniswap was a protocol built two years ago. In 24 months, now it's doing $4 billion. My mm-hmm. hot take is, shut up. If you're saying Ethereum <laughs> smart contracts, DeFi don't work. Like, just look at Uniswap and then yeah. shut up because yeah. uh, like onus is on you now. You. Not on prove not on it. Yeah. Thing. What are you yeah. talking about? It doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> like one developer did this, right? Yeah. Like barriers to entry. It's crazy. Right. Anyway. Can't argue right, with $4 billion. On. My other hot take is this. Um, I don't think a whole bunch of things are priced into ETH right now. Yeah. The asset. That's right. I'm a bull on ETH. You guys know that. David, mm-hmm. I know you're a bull on ETH. Mm-hmm. But look, ETH2 is not priced in right now, in my opinion. I don't think ETH staking is priced in. I don't think ETH as a store of value money is priced in. I don't even think the potential of DeFi is priced in. And I know 15.59 ETH fee burn is not priced in either. No, there's no way. I don't think any of this is priced in. So if you know this stuff, it feels like some alpha. All All right. right. Uh, Ready for spicy take now? Three of three. three. Here we go. Okay, here we go. I said, I tweeted this out. We don't need a Bitcoin V2 because it already exists. It's called Ethereum. And before you say, Ryan, I disagree with that. Let me say, like, I also, 
I also partially disagree with this, mm. right? So like, I don't fully 100% agree with it. Like, I don't think you can actually replace Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That's really not what I'm saying. But I do think that Ethereum is executing on a few things that now Bitcoin doesn't need to execute. So right. if Bitcoin ever thought it should add expressivity or smart contracts to Bitcoin, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to because Ethereum right. is here. Right. If Bitcoin ever thought it should create a layer two, it doesn't need to mm-hmm. because Ethereum is a better layer two than it can come up with, right? Yep. Um, if Ethereum, if Bitcoin ever wanted to transition to proof of stake, it doesn't need to because Ethereum already has essentially. And I do think like Ethereum is kind of taking this bankless vision, right? Mm-hmm. To That's the max. Exactly right. And that was part of the vision of the Satoshi white paper. So yeah, what's your, is that spicy or is that now I've muted it down and nerfed it and it's not no, so spicy? I, 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 yeah, I think the second one, actually. <laughs> all, all innovation that is like trying to do something on Bitcoin, it just works better on Ethereum, right? And so yep. it seems to be that Bitcoin is being whittled and whittled and whittled down to just the main L1 Bitcoin chain, which is just fine because, again, that's not Bitcoin isn't trying to do other anything else other than support BTC, the asset. But you're totally right. Like all the value of all the other, other innovations are going on to Ethereum. Ethereum is an evolution on Bitcoin. It doesn't replace Bitcoin, but it just is, a, it's a 3D movement upon a, a 2D uh, his, historical, uh, like whatever Bitcoin is. Totally agree. I, I feel like it's all part of the the, the family of religions that, we, mm-hmm. you know, the, the crypto religions basically, yeah. it's just another branch. Um, all right. Let's talk about lastly, um, this is, I, I love ending with this, David. So we, we've given you guys news, some hot takes some releases, but what are you most excited about at this point? First week, November 2020, what's exciting? Yeah, so again, like we're all we're, we're perma bulls, I guess, on the Bankless podcast. We don't mean to be, but I guess we are. <laughs> but but what I'm excited about is that just the arrival of Ethereum 2.0 brings in so many uh, just positive n order consequences, second order, third order consequences that that just are are really really helpful. Like in, in 2017, people kept on talking about like what is Ether, how do we define Ether, and people for some reason to this day still cite John Pfeffer's uh, Ether investment analysis as which is basically summarizes ether is gas and the velocity of ether is not going to be make it valuable but then people in the ethereum community like people like you and me and eric connor and anthony Susano, would like raise their flag and be like that's not correct for these reasons and all of the reasons that we would give were actually hypothetical like dependent on future success of ethereum reasons right yes. and so but easy, now easy that it, to refute almost yeah right because right? somebody could say yeah show us when it ships right right and you're and you're like damn it good point but like once it's here <laughs> Like if anyone at this point in time is citing John Pfeffer, like the, the days are numbered, right? Like the, the, the days of the John Pfeffer investment thesis of Ether are out and the days of the triple point asset are in. And the, again, the triple point asset was just a thesis and it, we are seeing it turn into reality. And that is just going to ultimately be reflected in the price of Ether. Yeah, it feels like that old uh, ETH is oil, ETH is gas kind of... Um analogy has totally broken down it's almost as like it almost feels as old and dated as DeFi will never work DeFi has right. no use cases when uniswap is doing four billion in weekly volume yeah right so far the bankless takes for the past like two years have have been on point yeah we've, we've been I mean, saying we'll it see. from day one we'll see. all right right i feel that way we'll see yeah <laughs> what are you excited about all right you know what um you stole mine david <laughs> oh, no. uh, I'm just kidding. So just, I mean, you're just like, going to go into more detail. Look, I, 
I, I think maybe my focus is this, like ETH2 launched, right? And what this ETH asset is becoming is a productive asset. Um, ran, a, ran a piece by Stefan um, uh, Kulikin, who actually runs a publicly traded company in Canada. You know what they do? They, yeah, just, they just buy ETH. That's their investment thesis. They buy ETH <laughs> and sometimes they invest in other companies. So it's a publicly traded company with a balance sheet full of ETH. Mm. And he wrote this great great uh, post called the birth of the digital bond about how ether the asset in staking becomes a digital bond a yield bearing instrument this is somebody with a traditional financial background who is talking about this uh, we just put out a post um, today so this will be yesterday by the time you listen to this called ETH the internet bond um, and this basically goes through how you can think about ether the way you would think about a traditional like sovereign bond, for instance, when it's staked, it has basically the same elements of, of a bond. It has a face value, it has a present value, it has a market value, and those can be kind of discounted based on um, like based on time, based on the horizon, based on sort of the, the market value, and there's a discount rate. So what's cool about this, I think, is staking will lead to traditional investors, institutional investors, being able to understand ether the asset i think mm. they don't quite understand it right now i think over the past three years or so we've seen institutional investors start to understand bitcoin it's like oh okay digital gold okay now they have scarce digital scarcity embedded embedded in their head the next journey for institutional investors and for mainstream investors is to understand eth as an internet bond a digital bond as a yield bearing instrument and a whole non-sovereign, open, decentralized economy. So I think um, we're at the very start of that narrative kind of picking up and institutional investors starting to understand that, David. So that's what I'm excited about. And by the way, we're going to have um, Andrew Keyes, I think, on next mm -hmm. week yep. uh, to talk a little bit about that and the folks that helped write this um, white paper on ETH as an internet bond to talk about that on uh, State of the Nation. So more on that soon. Yeah, there's no shortage of ETH staking and ether related content in the Bankless Nation. And yeah. that's because that's exactly what ether deserves. Like ether is the most insane asset of all time. And and just to, to keep on hammering on, on this point, like we have never seen a bond market with a hard money before. That is something that will be wow. brand new yeah. to this this universe. Yeah. Speaking of which, David, you get your validator prepped? Find some hardware. Yep, that, uh, absolutely. I already, I already got, uh, apparently, according to Preston, who, again, you guys got to listen to the episode with Preston. I'm going to make a link happen right, right around here in the corner of, of YouTube. Uh, you can apparently stake like, like 10,000 validators on like a MacBook Pro. Uh, I won't be needing that many validators, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Wait, but 30? I, how... How much of a whale are you, David? <laughs> 320,000 ETH on my MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting ready for that. You can almost boot up the network by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. All right, dude. Well, I think that is all our time. We kept our promise. We gave you guys the week in crypto, everything you need to know from a news, releases, market perspective, and also some hot takes to end it with. Hope you enjoyed the first week of November. This has been our roll-up. As always, none of this is financial advice. The assets we talk about are risky. You could lose what you put in, but thanks for joining us on the bankless journey. We're signing off.